Hello, everybody, and welcome to Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to. In case you're new to the program, I'm Brandon Ellis. I'm your host and also the owner of Elatech. As we jump into the episode for today, I want to ask that you hit that follow button and subscribe button based upon the platform that you're listening on. And if you're listening specifically on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and you enjoy what you hear today, leave us a five-star rating and review. We sure would appreciate it. Now that we've got the marketing out of the way, I just want to say thanks for tuning in. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to. I'm Brandon Ellis and with me, as always, is my guest. Oh, hold on a second. Beth Elliott. Hello, Brandon. You How, notice I almost... You almost picked the I wrong button. Sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> it could have been... Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> so welcome to the program today. For today, there's some things that I want to kind of point out. So first of all, if you haven't heard the big news, Elatech is now an authorized distributor, full-on distributor for Siemens and their automation products, their digital industries products, and their controls products. Uh, so we're very excited yes. and privileged to, to have that uh, be the case. And we're learning more and more about Siemens as, as the time goes on. We're meeting a lot of new people and, and just really understanding the way Siemens gets things done. The most exciting thing for this week, though, is Beth has put together, if you haven't been to our YouTube channel, I, I would recommend it because Beth has done a bang-up job. She did a about a four-minute video with uh, the Siemens drives, what we call the drives walls, where she was she was actually talking about a demonstration. With there's, If you watch the video, there's actually three different walls that are networked together. Beth, our marketing manager, got all the networking connected, got everything all set up, and did it in a record amount of time. So from us engineer types, that's pretty impressive. Well, well, thank you. They they made it very easy though. Well, it was it's, it's a testament easy. to the product. Yes, but she did a wonderful overview. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, it's on our Elatech YouTube channel. Go and check that out. Give it a like. Ring the bell. Subscribe. What all? Whatever you can do uh, with Beth Elliott's video. So you did a great job with oh, that. Thank you. I appreciate it. They, I learned a lot about the drives yeah. and the scalability. Well, I learned a lot watching your video. Uh, all right. So, great. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> so one other thing I want to jump into before we jump into today's title. So, you know, here we are. It's late in the year. We Back in July, we had a jobs report come out. The jobs report looks really favorable. But the fact of the matter is, if you're in, in manufacturing, what you're probably saying is, I don't know where all of these people are working, but they're not working here. Mm -hmm. And so the labor shortage continues to rage on. And so since people are not flocking to these manufacturing jobs, so what most manufacturers are looking at and what's the rage right now, what all the cool cats are doing, is robotics in manufacturing. Again, not to replace people, but to reclassify mm -hmm. the people you have. And so we're seeing an uptick in that as far as robotic turnkey work cell type interest, especially in welding and combining material handling and inspection. And so I wanted to uh, talk more about the advancements in robotics soon in a future podcast. But before I jumped into that, I want to hear from our listeners. So this is kind of a, a call out, call to action, I guess, uh, for our listeners. If anything was possible, I mean, if if there were no obstacles, you could just remove them all with a magic wand what kind of challenges, if you were able to overcome those with a robot or robotic work cell solution, what kind of challenges do you feel like that if you could, if I could just overcome this challenge, it would absolutely change my entire production, our outlook when it comes to labor needs. 
what is what are those kinds of challenges that you're dealing with? Is it, you know, my robot needs to see four-dimensionally <laughs> or whatever. I want to hear what you are dealing with, you know, a real real-world thing that says I would do a robot here, but these are the things that I just can't get past. Like the wiggle jiggle from way back. The wiggle jiggles, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so hit us with all that. I wanna I wanna hear from you. So sound off. Uh, but uh, whatever you find that your challenge, quote unquote challenge feature, uh, and 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 you may we may even feature that on the upcoming podcast. Oh absolutely. So you may even be asked to be a guest. Who hey. knows? So hit us with that stuff. That'll be really cool. But let's enough about that. Enough about future uh, stuff. Beth, take us into today's title. All right. So today's title is Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to be unhuman. Unhuman, not inhumane. (laughs) Unhuman. So what are we going to be talking about today? So, well, before we dive in, let me just take a moment to kind of review the typical automation systems. And so an automation system, usually when we say automation, we talk about a PLC, uh, of late, we've been talking about drives and motion control and those kind of things. Those are parts of an automation system. But while the controllers and drives are a substantial part of any automated system, the point of human interaction is, in my opinion, the most substantial part of any automated system. In fact, the way that I always test the quality of any automated system, if I'm going to look at what somebody else's work is, is I'll look, I actually go down and look at the design of the human-machine interface, which we call an HMI, and and see how what the quality is of that. I've always said, I've always told our engineers, if the copy machine can not only tell me where the jam is and where to look, but click here to see the whole animated process to how to access that little yeah. place. I mean, can you imagine trying to clear a paper jam from a copy machine if you didn't have those instructions? Well, back in the day, they barely had instructions well, on them. <laughs> they were horrible then. And now they've got even more drawers and levers and all this kind of stuff. And so if a copy machine can have that type of a human machine interface to mm-hmm. help uh, when there's a problem, especially a manufacturing machine, a piece of manufacturing equipment should absolutely have Oh, that. yeah. And so that's the kind of stuff. So today we have a very special guest. Uh, we're going to be talking about Various systems ranging from hardware-based touchscreens up to fully fully capable supervisory control and data acquisition systems, another acronym, which are, of course, largely uh, software-based with the SCADA systems. But we're privileged to dive into uh, various features and benefits across the offerings uh, with Siemens today with our very special guest. So, Beth, give us an intro. All right. Our special guest today is Alan Cohn. He is the Marketing Semantic WinCC Manager at Siemens. Alan earned his mechanical engineering degree from the Georgia Institute of Technology. He has been with Siemens for 27 years. Alan is highly skilled in automation, industrial control, SCADA, product management, product marketing, and PLCs, just to name a few. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Alan. Well, thank you. Beth and Brandon, thank you. So Georgia Tech, the, the mascot is Zip. Is that right? No. Oh. Buzz. 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 That's right. Buzz the bee. Uh, Yellow jacket. But what's the the, rambling wreck, right? And that's, yeah, the rambling wreck and the golden tornadoes. We've got like four different. Over the years, we've got three or four different uh, mascots or nicknames. Yeah, yeah. But the two nicknames we go by now is the yellow jackets or the rambling wreck. Okay. Okay. The yellow jackets. That's right. so, So the rambling wreck, that's one that I wasn't familiar with. The yellow jackets I'm familiar with with Georgia Tech. Okay. But what's the, where did that derive? The Ramblin' Wreck came from, if my memory serves me right, 
back, you know, tech engineers were going around the globe and when they were in, you know, essentially third world countries and they needed transportation, they were just piecing anything they could get together. And, you know, they came, rambling right term came up and somehow it came back. And now, you know, we've got a 19... 20 something model a that is the rambling rat oh, yeah. so it's what leads a football team out oh yeah you know the president rides around in on parades yeah. and whatever and it lives at you know the garage at the president's house there for it but it's what you see you leading the football team on at every football game well i've seen the car I yeah mean, uh, now I you mean, know that's, yeah. that's the rambling rat car huh. well, that's but interesting. the term came around before the car ever did i believe and i could be wrong there yeah. so well, I'm 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 University of Tennessee guy, UT Knoxville, and we're the Vols. We have all we have Smokey. We have the guy that the oh the Vol oh, oh. what's he called? He's, I think it is a volunteer. He's the volunteer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. And, Did you know Smokey just turned one? Yeah, we got a we got a new, new Smokey, Smokey. <laughs> uh, a year ago. Uh, well, no, not quite a year ago, but he just turned one. We've got. We just and then there's Smokey, the you know the mascot Smokey and the girl Smokey and there's all kinds of we have all kinds going on. So you've got the bee and the, the car, yellow, yeah, the yellow jacket and the car, yeah. So I don't right. think we're here to talk about mascots. That's right. That's right. So it's <laughs> although it is to, football it's season, football season, so I'm fired up. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Alan, there are several HMI options in the Siemens portfolio. Would you please give us a brief overview of these options in order of capabilities? Yeah, I mean, starting out, we've got what we call push button panels. Okay, um, coming. You know, format of like eight buttons or up to thirty-two buttons, and they're strictly meant as just a. Uh, push button replacement. Yeah. So, I mean, you get a little small form factor, it gets eight buttons on it. You program it within the PLC. So it's no HMI programming software. It's just PLC code, but you can set different light colors because it's got three LEDs in there. So it gives you like five or six different light colors you can have strips to put in there to get that. So it can, it's a nice little small form factor. It's like what, two and a half inches by like six inches. Oh, nice and compact. Um, compact. And as I said, that's for the eight button one. And then it goes up to 32. And they also have safety outputs on or inputs on them. So oh, you wow. can wire in an e-stop into that too. And then it communicates back to the PLC over Ethernet. So that's just very basic push-button replacement. Then we've got our basic panel line. Um, and that's meant for simpler HMI applications. Maybe you're peeling in on small machines. We're using a small 1200 series PLC or some other brand PLC in there. But you're looking at small machine controls. Hey, I just need a few simple screens. You know, I got a couple hundred tags I'm working with. If I'm working with that, I'm doing, you know, some, I'm not doing worried about data retention. I'm not worried about recipes or anything, but I do have alarming in there that I need to use that. Then a basic panel fits. Is is that the ones I, I think I've seen are monochrome, but are there also color? They're color. Okay. Um, we still have a few monochromes. Those are getting phased out because color color lcds are just so much yeah. ch- or cheap now yeah you know i think probably pay more for the monochrome but not much more if yeah. anything yeah but um so everything's moving away to color and they are uh you know the basic panels have five function keys on them that you can program mm-hmm. but they're also touch screens so yeah. most people use touch screens but then you have the five membrane keys there if you need them then we step up into our comfort panel line and this is our bread and butter line it's been around for a while full all our functionality and everything's in with those. And they start seven inch screen size and go up to 22 inch available as touch screens or as keyboard units. Okay. So if you still wanted, you know, older technology, use keyboard units or used to use a lot more keyboard units, but everything's now switching more towards touch screens. 
Um, and those, you know, I said, if you need to do data retention, they come with that. It comes with slots for expand memory expansion for data storage, whatnot. You know, Ethernet communication, zero communication on those. And you can, you know, lots of more advanced functionalities are built into those said recipe management's in there, historical data, um, trending and alarming, are, of course, are both the basic in that. But with the comfort line, it's instead of just the traditional mount on the wall or mount in the box there panels, we've got several, several other varieties. We've got a mobile panel built on the same mm -hmm. technology, which is a tethered, so it goes back to a bo junction box. But the advantage there is, you know, we've got... Some one customer uses it, they set up tooling with it and their pipeline, welding pipelines mm -hmm. or pipes together and everything. So they can walk around the machine with it and test everything and make sure they've got all the sets set there before they turn the machine on yeah. and they realize they're breaking dies and whatnot they're using. Um, so it just gives you the ability to move around the machine. You can also walk down the machine and plug it in different parts with the junction boxes. So those are a line of multiple uh, well, mobile panels. Now, let me stop you right there. That's something I saw on the drive walls. Yeah, yeah. Is that quick connect? Yep. I can't remember what it was called. Um, it was like a something portal or something like that, but it was just a quick connect. It reminded me of an air fitting connection, but it wasn't. It was a spring loaded little quick connect for the HMI, and then you just unplug and it you know it keeps it good and secure that kind of thing. And you just you could just put those down the line and you could just do these. That's for the mobile panels. Yes. To to just stick. And I thought, well, that, that's a perfect thing because every time I. I my experience with mobile panels is you have one and it's tethered. And as far as that's it, that's as far as you can go. You can't really unplug it and move it. But that little, that little feature is just an example of the thinking that comes into play to say, <laughs> we need to be able to move this to multiple machines, multiple places or down a line or something like that. Just unplug, come over here and plug this back in. It's got power. It's ready to go. It's communicating. It's all pulled together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we also have people that use them for on, um, Guided vehicles. Yeah. So they're carrying machinery oh. or parts of the machine around or parts of the equipment, and they'll just follow it around and use it to guide it as they go down the um, from one part of the plant to the other part of the mm. plant with the equipment. And it's got the e-stop integrated as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah we've got ones with and without the e-stop. Okay. So, and different junction box whether you're going e-stop or not because we've got you know technology relay setups in there that says hey if you pull it out. It's not going to automatically trip the e-stop, so it'll close the circuit for the e-stop, keep it all machined up and running with it. So, yeah. But uh, full safety certified on that e-stop and everything. That's awesome. Um, we also have a line of what we call pro panels. Um, you know, we term pro with a lot of different stuff with Siemens, and we use it as protected. So there we take the panel, we mount it in an IP65 enclosure that's really form-fitting to the panel itself, and then it's set up for you to put it mounted on a swing arm or something. So, so you don't have to worry about going out and finding the right size box, gray box, cutting the hole in it and trying to make that yeah. adapt that. Huh. It's like, hey, just mount it up to your swing arm and run your wires through it that, and you're all set. That's interesting. So pro doesn't mean I thought professional. Professional. So it means protected. Protect, protect, okay. Because we got the ET two hundred Pro is the I.O. that once again it's yeah. designed just to mount on the side of the machine. Mm -hmm. Doesn't need a box or anything, so it's all IP sixty five NEMA four ratings. Yeah. And then um after that we've also got some Specialty types, we've got stainless steel versions. So if you're in an environment where you need that, food and beverage, mm -hmm. so you need to do cleaning and stuff like that with caustics, we've got the stainless steel ones. Um, sunlight readable. You know, we've got – in those, we've just got a few different sizes of them. We don't have the full 
broadband there, but the sunlight readable, we changed it out the screen, changed out the touch screen so that it's something bright and helps reflect some of the sun back so you can make sure you see the panels and everything's yeah. not washed out. And that, are you talking about the comfort or the unified? Those are in the comfort line. Okay, so you're talking about, okay. Yeah, this is in the comfort okay. line. With the unified line, that's our new line that we've just released back uh, in 2019, end of 2019, it came out. So we're still really getting it up to speed and re reduced or introduced out into the market. COVID slowed down the whole rollout yeah. program of that. Yeah, take so 2020 out. Yeah. yeah. And so 21 stumbled for quite a while with all of us. Everybody mm -hmm. getting back to normal. And, but with that, we've got, you know, screen sizes ranging from 7-inch all the way up to 22-inch. Uh, the big difference with the unified panels, well, we – of course, up to all the performance specs off the regular comfort panels. But we went with multi-touch technology. Okay. You know, people are getting used to all the multi-touch with all our pocket PCs, our phones and everything in our pockets, and swiping and gestures and stuff like that. So we're starting to add that functionality oh, wow. into HMI panels. And to do that, we needed the multi-touch. So, so all the, the Gen Zers yeah. and, and, and whatever comes after them. That'll be new, intuitive for they them. They just got fired <laughs> up because they want gestures and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yep. So, so that's in there, and we'll you know over time as development you know is continue to work on. We're going to release. I think the pro version of those are slated to come out in the next six months or so. We've got some stainless steel frames that you can add around the existing mobile panels to give them a stainless steel design, hygienic hmm. design coming out. Daylight readables on the workbench. It's just development's just working through the that's cycle awesome. to you know, redo all the packages, but we should, you know, in the next three years or so have every different variant that we have now. I mean, the mobile panel may be one of the last ones coming out, but we do have a unified basic panel that's slated to come out first part of next year. A so unified even, basic. So the basic is moving up into the unified engineering okay. platform. And the unified platform is just our new engineering or new HMI platform. You know, we used to have machine level and SCADA level, and we had a hard break between those two. But with Unified, we said, hey, let's start blurring the lines between mm -hmm. what was SCADA and what was, you know, traditional panel level. And when I talk traditional panel, you're talking about dedicated operating system down on the device machine level application. But with Unified, we're saying, hey, let's just design the visualization you need, and then you pick the platform you actually need to run it on. So there will be stuff that requires a horsepower of a PC maybe or a lot of higher level options that we say this is PC and it came out of the skater world. So, yeah, you know, it's not intended for the panel space. But the whole thought is we'll have a fully scalable. So whether you're working with a four or a seven inch panel or a multi, you know, server, multi-client system, you can scale your application all the way through that whole right, area. right. So that's kind the of grow idea behind Unified, yeah. Grow with the need. So, and you mentioned you mentioned that a little bit. So the HMI series, you know, there's you've gone kind of through the HMI hardware for sure, but you mentioned um, kind of a software base. So there's PC based, what we call soft HMI, uh, and then of course you mentioned SCADA. Yeah. Again, SCADA is an acronym. Oh. SCADA. <laughs> And it stands for Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition, uh, and HMI stands for, Beth? A human-machine interface. That's right. So, uh, so there you go. <laughs> um, so we love acronyms in this business, in this industry. Yes. Uh, but, but there is a definitive difference between, and traditionally, between HMI and SCADA. So you talk about blurring the lines. So what kind of give us a, a 30,000-foot view of what's the difference? When would you use an HMI versus using a full-blown SCADA? And and I'll just go ahead and add, 
a SCADA system typically costs more than an HMI, even a PC-based soft HMI system, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you use, when we look at, you know, panels or even the lower level PC systems, we do a break. Is it machine level or not? Okay. You know, is it machine level, line level, or plant level? Um, you know, machine level, line level, that's where you start looking at, hey, a traditional panel, machine level. Maybe we put a PC and we do line level control because we're controlling multiple PLCs or pulling information off multiple HMIs out there. And then SCADA would be plant level. I'm looking at the whole plant, everything that's going on in there. Um, some of the reasons people go towards soft HMIs, as you mentioned, is they maybe they want to run other applications out there. So they want to put a PC out there to run the Abbott applications or their application is just a little bit larger than what the hardware within the panel can handle. So they need the you know better processing power, a little more speed, a little more memory capabilities. So they'll say, hey, let's go get a runtime system, PC-based runtime system, which one fits for me. I'm doing machine level, but I need to do, you know, 16, 18,000 tags. Well, okay, or 16, yeah, then we can... Um, over what we designed the panels to run. So we run on a PC platform because you do have that additional horsepower. Or I need more memory storage than what's on the panel, but that's kind of hard to do now because we've got, you know, memory slots there for yeah. SD cards and you so can get SD cards up to, yeah, you can get SD cards up to 64 gigs, stick it in there, you, yeah. or terabytes, and you yeah. have that kind of storage data. So it really, I think, you maybe you want the more communication capabilities that you can get out of a PC, possibly. Um, hey, I need to access a database to pull recipe information out of, and I'd pull off a server, which actually we can start doing down at the panel level now and some basic information. So it is really blurred, and it really ends up being the customer what platform they want to well, one install of the, the software on. One of the things uh, for a soft HMI is just in the past 12, 14 two years, three years, we've been struggling to find hardware. Uh, the global semiconductor shortage, resin shortages, all these kind of things have happened. And so being able to have a soft HMI, if you have access to a PC, even if it's a, just a, a normal you know, desktop White unit, box, yeah. you, can, you can still run your application and, and get things moving, at least even on a temporary basis until you get the actual hardware. And so those are certainly some of the things we're looking at. Yeah. I mean, that's the nice thing with, you know, the WinCC platform, be it the Comfort Advanced that we had or the Unified. Now we have Unified Comfort for the panels, Unified PC. They do build upon each other. So if you're a Unified PC, you can do the Comfort programming. So you can easily transition that same application you're running in the panel. Say, no, I just want to run it on a PC now. Yeah. And it works fine. If you go to step, if you add stuff in there that's only PC based, well, it just doesn't work when you roll it down into a panel. But yeah. it's the same engineering environment. So you can easily just, hey, just do a change device type. And now you're running it on a PC as opposed to running it in a panel. That's smart. You start out in the two bedroom, one bath. And before you know it, you're in this, this 16 bedroom mansion. Yeah. yeah. And so you move back to the two bedroom, one bath, and all your furniture just sits in the front yard. Yeah. <laughs> but you can, it doesn't get used. Yeah, yeah. You can do it. <laughs> That's interesting. That's a great overview of the HMIs, Alan. All right, thanks. Uh, Brandon mentioned SCADA systems a few times, and you briefly mentioned the difference between a soft HMI and a SCADA. But what are the primary advantages of SCADA systems, and within which industries have you typically been uh, seeing them utilized? Well, when we look at SCADA, I said that's more plant-level control and really – you know, with this whole move to digitalization and everything, it's really the last two letters that are becoming more and more important, the data acquisition. 
And yeah, there's always been tools out there to gather data, but it's usually gather the data and pump it somewhere else and somebody will look at it and analyze it and two weeks later they get back with the results. But we see a lot more SCADA systems now as opposed to machine level stuff is doing a lot of the data acquisition right there on site. Mm -hmm. So let's get it, you know, close to where we're pulling the data at and with the operators they can handle it at. So with SCADA, you get a lot more data acquisition or analytic tools than you do. Because we've got packages for the um, performance monitor, lets you do KPIs so you can set up the KPIs. Hey, my machine should be producing X number of widgets based on the design values. What is it? Well, it's producing 50% of that. Why? Well, if you set it up right, you can say, well, you know, for two hours I was waiting on materials. You know, for an hour I was waiting on an operator to uh, do an action. Or, you know, I kept having these alarms trip, and it'll let you look at the alarms and let you do, you know, high hit list on the alarms. What alarms are going out first? So that you can say, okay, what adjustments do I need to make so I can up my production? And it's not information that's you got to wait a month or two weeks or even 24 hours for the data analyst. Look at it. The operator can say, you know, hey, it's in the work shift. I was running at 75 production day. Why? Well, I was waiting on materials most day. Okay, Joe, you got to get me materials faster. Mm-hmm. You know what's going on? Or, you know, I had the same alarm going off. Well, that's because that limit switch. Maybe we need to do maintenance on that limit switch to get it because it's loose or it's just faulty or whatever. So it helps you do the analysis so that you can see in real time what's happening on your machines and fix them. Instead of waiting for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could say, yeah, I've got a bunch of alarms today. But then all of a sudden, oh, let's go see. Okay, well, this alarm went off six times. Maybe we got a maintenance issue with this we need to take care of or something. We used to say, you know, we've been doing IoT systems for many, many years. Uh, and we've talked on this program a lot about our IOTA products and things of that nature, which are moving data back and forth, usually a lot of times between, you know, dissimilar systems on the OT side up to a SCADA system. Uh, because of those analytics and, and analytic tools that are now part of SCADA system, used to be, you just display it. And I used to always say there's two, there's two sides to the coin within the IoT system, capturing quality data. It's got to be quality. If it's mm-hmm. suspect, then it's not not any good. And then number two, being able to do something with it. So we always call that the what then scenario. So if we capture all this data and we stick it into, let's say, a, a SQL repository, what then? Because just seeing it and just getting it inside of a database repository is not helping you make business decisions. And why, Beth? Oh, Do we have an IoT system implementation? To make better business decisions. That's the whole reason to have IoT. And if you can't use it for that, you need to spend your money on something else. Have a picnic for your employees. Give them more money, whatever. (laughs) But don't waste your money on an IoT system if you're not serious about making business, educated business decisions off of it. And that's where this comes from. Just sticking all the data into a database server does not get you the full gamut of what you need. You have to have those analytics capabilities. And so we're walking through, uh, and this is where I want to get down into the the good stuff. So um, for our audience, you know, uh, we have a lot of members of our audience that are, are, you know, corporate level, they're, they're presidents of plants, they're plant managers, they're engineering managers, they're, they're uh, production unit man, uh, engineering managers are just production managers. And they're trying to figure out ways that they can do stuff, utilize the stuff we're talking about here to benefit them themselves on their manufacturing floor. And so that's what the information I want to disseminate. And so you mentioned a lot of things. The analytics is really the third side of the coin, yeah. <laughs> if you will, because 
capturing the data. Number one, we got to harvest the data. Number two, we got to store it somewhere. And then number three, we don't need to just visualize it. Plants, I always say plants don't run on, on data. They run on bar charts, pie charts, and line charts. Because unless you can visualize it and make it meaningful, it's really no different than the on the, the machine level with the HMI. Unless it makes sense to the person using it, it's not very useful. And so on the SCADA side and, and the HMI side, and I'm not going to limit us. So across the whole gamut of your 20, Seven. 27 years of experience, what are a couple of cool things that you've seen that of customers utilizing these products to benefit them as far as you know their systems, their their production, things of that nature? Yeah, well, we've had one customer that um, was had you know a lot of old systems out there, a lot of you know what we call stranded assets. There weren't you know the whole digital information age. They were long before that. So you know you want information, you want to know what's going on. Well, then the shift the supervisor walked around with the clipboard and wrote everything down took it back to the office, gave it to the data clerk. They entered it into the system and it was sitting there. So they're like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And what can we do? We don't want to rip everything out and start over again. So we, you know, our machines are running great, doing making the parts we need. We just need to get the data out of them a little faster. And it's like, well, we can take a SCADA system, overlay it on your existing system, so not replace anything, but just put it on top and let it pull all the data off and put it back into the one central repository for you, then you can start running all your reports off that. You don't, you lose, you know, you don't risk miswritten, you know, writing the numbers down wrong on the sheet or somebody trying to translate, well, is that a two or is that a seven? Well, yeah. I'm going to guess seven today. Yeah. I'll guess two tomorrow. So, you know, so you start, you clean up the data, you get the quality data as you were talking about because you're not relying on, you know, Humans. looking at reading somebody else's handwriting and you're getting it. In real time, as soon as the machine production produces data, it's pushed up into the other system, and you can start analyzing it in real time and start making changes. So, hey, by end of shift, you know what happened during the day, and you can, hey, if something happens, you can say, okay, we got, you know, start twelve o'clock, we got a problem. You know, let's go back and see when did it start, and we're not, you know, finding the problem three days later, and they having to go back and say, okay, now we got suspect inventory, you know, inventory. Did we make that right? Is you mm-hmm. know, did it? press push hard enough on it to form it the way we need to form yeah, and all this other stuff. So it really gives you, that's where we've seen with this one customer really helping them out by being able to get them the data a lot faster and collecting it all and getting in one place as opposed to sitting around on a bunch of, you know, clipboards. Well, and then with the, the growth uh, plan that you talked about, the, the building blocks, you get that to that SCADA system at the plant level, but now you can now grow into the SCADA system that handles all the plants so corporate can sit yeah. and start watching each individual plant, and they can begin to build on that. And a lot of times I've seen systems, and I've been involved with implementation of various SCADA systems, not not the Siemens SCADA system in this case, but others, where we, we kind of established all the plant level, and then they said, okay, well, now we want to bring all the plants on. It's like, well, we need a new product for that. <laughs> we got to go to something different. That's This isn't, you know, from an integration standpoint, we're kind of like, well, why didn't you mention that at the beginning? <laughs> Of course, it would have cost a lot more, but to be able, and that's what I like about the Siemens, is to be able to get it up to that level, and you know you can budget for that and that implementation. But when you are ready to take the next step, you don't have to you know file new and start over. We can build on that and go from there. And there's the communications capabilities of the systems and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So I've got a story. Okay. From my, let's see. I think I've been been investigating this. This line for about a year and, and three months, maybe, with Mr. Butch Martin. So um, 
so I've got what fourteen months of experience to your twenty seven. <laughs> Actually, as I was reviewing one of the things, we're talking about HMIs today. This is something that I think is really cool. And it's something that a lot of folks may or may not be familiar with. So in the unified comfort, this is the HMI side, not SCADA. This is HMI. Um, In the unified comfort panel, and that can be a hardware panel, as you pointed out, or it can be a soft HMI or PC-based product. But you can, it's not, well, no, it's a big deal all the way around. So whether you're in a PC environment or you're on the HMI, but especially in the HMI, there are a couple of tools, objects I call them, that we can we can drop into a standard page on a HMI screen. And so we build screens through these HMIs, and that's how we interact with different folks, different things, and we show different things. So one of the things is an HTML object. So what this is is a viewport. So it's a browser. And so I can now take that HMI from a certain page. It could be password protected to get those pages. I mean, all the HMI features that many probably are used to still exist. But if I want to get to a certain page where I can see statuses, and when I say statuses, I'm talking about that brand new screw screw compressor that you've got in the back that's got all the manages all your, your energy usage and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's got a built-in web server so that you can see it from a computer. But I want to be able to see it from the line. I can use an HTML object to view that on this HTML, even though I can't talk necessarily, communicate directly with that that, that, uh, screw compressor or that robot or that CNC machine or whatever, I can can use this object to drop it in and get that information back. And so it's monitor only. I mean, I guess you can navigate. Heck, it's a full-on browser, so I guess you can do a couple of things, but, but you can definitely view... So that's one thing. The second thing is PDF viewers. Now, there's HMIs out there that do PDF viewers. There's also a media viewer. Not all HMIs can show a movie. Media viewer. Is that what we mean when we say media viewer? Yeah. Yeah. So, but here's the really cool part. There's USB slots on this HMI. So everybody's listening to me. If you're an integrator, if you're if you're the maintenance manager, whatever you're saying, engineer manager, you're saying, well, that's not a big deal yet, Brandon. But I can now pull with the Siemens product, I can pull images directly off of a thumb drive or over Ethernet to a shared folder on a server. Now, when we say shared folder on a server, we're not talking about FTP. We're talking about user-specific rights, which if you're an IT admin, that's music to your ears because FTP just made the hair the, the hair on your neck stand up because you don't like it from a from a security, cybersecurity standpoint. We get it. So being able to, to do that, to access with user-specific rights on an HMI platform is pretty huge. But being able to serve up those images. So a lot of customers are using uh, HMIs for uh, standard operating procedures for their SOPs for their operators so that they can see and meet with with their ISO and, and QS type requirements. And so if there's a change to that doc, and I started in quality. <laughs> I started in quality before the advent of a thing called a PDF. So everything had to be printed out. Everything had to be in books, all this kind of stuff. And so if there was a change, it was quite oh, that's huge. a deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've got all your HMIs with all your SOPs across the plant, and each one's a little different for every every job, and suddenly the quality department needs to make a change and it affects a hundred machines. That's a lot of stuff to do. But if all that it's is a lot serving of paper. A, yeah. <laughs> well, well, even if it's programmed into your HMIs, you're gonna have to have somebody, your maintenance person, go I'll out go there, and plug do. in oh. and load in a new PDF for it to view. Oh, okay. With this, it's on one shared 
network drive, and you just go in and overwrite that PDF. And the next time it comes up, all 150 machines will show the edited PDF. And so those are huge ways. That's honestly reduction of downtime potentially because you may have to, it may uh, keep the operators from operating the machine for you you to go in and just do, you know, 10, 15 minutes or 15 seconds, 15 minutes, whatever of uploading, download files, check it to make sure it works, that kind of stuff. Being able to pull this stuff across a secure user-specific setting, uh, you know, Windows-based uh, folder is is huge. And so so those are the types of things that the technology, that the advancements that I, I like to see with the Siemens HMI product. And again, that's on the HMI side, which traditionally costs less than a full-on SCADA system. Yep. Yeah, SCADA systems do. They do a lot more, but there is a different price point for them. That's right. I mean, they're, you know, and if we need to move into that, that acquisition, they do everything. Yeah. And if we need to move into that, ultimately, we can upgrade that HMI application, pull it on up into the SCADA world and go from there. Yes. So these are some great, uh, some great success stories. Yeah. I, what I've been impressed with is, like, again, the scalability. So you can, Siemens has developed, they had the forethought to develop all these things so you can start here and then just build upon them as you need them. I think that's smart. Well, it's a, from a, I'll tell you what, from an ROI standpoint, oh, yeah. it's huge. And and so if you're the bean counter, these are the kind of things you want to hear. If you're managing the budgets, the, the CapEx, all that kind of stuff, you know, this is something you may want to give a look at. So we're not here to sell Siemens, but we sell it here in Eastern Tennessee. So by the way, if you're in Eastern Tennessee and you need a unified comfort panel, we have stock. So <laughs> at least we, at least we do as of this recording, I, 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 you know, we don't have an unlimited stock, but Siemens is starting to come back with a lot of inventory so we're excited about that uh, we mentioned uh, you had promoted some on the g120 uh, product and how how we're able to get that in a reasonable time i don't say it's in stock but it's very reasonable comparatively so we're excited to hear things are starting to come back yeah yeah for sure well alan thank you very much for joining us today do you oh, have any welcome. last you. words you want to anything else you want to share with folks about the awesomeness <laughs> no, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, we've had great discussions here, and it was fun. I like the stories that you had and the, the use case that you're working with there. Yeah. Well, and yours, too. Interesting, that application. Yours, too. I mean, uh, you know, I will say this. One big difference between so, – so our IOTA, I mentioned our IOTA. The way we license, and it comes down to licensing, the way we license is per device connection. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned in your SCADA story about having all these machines out there that have a little bit of data because they're older machines, just a little bit of data that you need from each one. We actually had a situation where we had a customer that had, let's say, 50 individual little PLCs out there, and they needed literally one number from each one. Well, from our licensing Oh. architecture it financially just did not make sense for 50 connections to get one piece of data but from a SCADA standpoint even your smallest starter basic which is is affordable yeah. i think it starts at 150 tags or yeah something. 150 tags and so that's 150 they won't care how many plcs you connect to just external data points we get 150 oh. data points whether it's yep. a bit a number a string whatever that's a tag and so suddenly, with the SCADA system, had we had where were you? Where were you then? <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in line, waiting yeah. for you to call. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, suddenly, we could have done the very basic, very cost effective, and gone out and gotten those fifty numbers and with no problem. Yeah, and brought it back to the system and gone from there. 
Well, now we have a solution. We have a solution. Alan, thank you very much for your time today. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on the program. Yeah, I've learned a whole lot. Beth? Yes, Brandon. Thanks for uh, teaching us all on the drives wall. Hey, no problem. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so, guys, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, I'm not going to hit you with too many sales stuff because she's going to, Beth's going to pin that on at the end. But thank you very much for joining us. Remember my call to action about robotics. So, hit us up, comments, call us, email us, whatever. You fill out the contact forms on the website, all those kind of things. I want to hear what you all have to say. I don't care if you're an integrator, an end user, production manager, plant manager, or the janitor. I want to know what you think if this is one thing could come into play for a robotic work cell boy if we could just do that and this know. is throwing uh brandon's four reasons uh your four way four easy, reasons to automate yeah four no oh the, oh the, on the robot yeah the four easy things when you know you have a robotic process well to that's automate. one that means it's a no-brainer yeah yeah okay so this is you don't even have to you ignore yeah, all that even, that that's the if, you, if the you're looking for a, a no-brainer okay. we need to put a robot on this we don't even need to think another second about it blindfold if the, if the operator can do their job with a blindfold on with one arm tied behind their back and with their feet planted still planted, planted on the floor then those three things uh was there, there a fourth there, thing? there was a fourth we'll have to Brush up on that. that. They don't. They can't move. They can use one hand. Oh, mitten. Oh, no, mitten. they had to have a mitten. Uh, yeah, mitten a mitten on. on. So everybody, uh, a mitten is not a glove. <laughs> a mitten has a thumb, and then that's it. The the rest of your fingers together. So if you can do it with that, and you say, yeah, that operator could do that job with but, with no problem. You need to reclassify that person and move them somewhere else. So that's what you're talking about. Yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about is throw it all out the window. Okay. If if you need your robot to have a jet engine on it to levitate, to move over, and I don't know, some kind of Elon stuff, I want to hear that because I don't know about the jet engines, but there may be some new technology out there that could get you close. Yeah. And so that's what we want to talk about. That's a future podcast. I'm not promising that for even this year. I want to hear the feedback, and then I want to see how outlandish it is, and we'll go from there. So, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Industrial automation, it doesn't have to be unhuman. That's right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out today's episode of Industrial Automation. It doesn't have to. I hope you enjoyed it. If so, make sure you give us a rating that's pretty doggone high and do that everywhere you listen, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Also, don't forget about our website. That's www.elitech.com. That's E-L-L-I-T-E-K.com. If you want to reach out to us there, you can fill out our contact form. We'd appreciate it. Also, you can email us at info at And certainly for those of you that still like to dial the phone, give us a call, 865-409-1555. We'd love to hear from you. 